You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. So we are beginning here on the West Side um, our series, uh, a series that we're basically going to be teaching through the entire Gospel of John. Not every single verse, every single chapter, but we're going to be pulling out key features that hopefully God places on our hearts to really focus in on Jesus, because that is our theme for this year. On Wednesday, we did a midweek uh, overview, and um, if you missed that and you'd like to get some context, you can find that on our, church, on our YouTube channel and on our church website. And you know, John 1 is amazing. It talks about, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was, was with God, the Word was God, and there's so much in there, and I'd like to encourage you, I'm not going to get to, to study through and teach through all of John 1, 8, 1 through 18 today, but please study that out for your quiet times this week, because today I'm just going to focus on one verse. And that verse is this, is in, is, we'll see in verse 4 in a moment, but the message today is called, In Him is Life. In Him is Life. And we find in verse 4 of chapter 1, This simple verse, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Let's pray. Father, today as we sit before you, as we come to learn from your word, as we soften our hearts to the truth of your scriptures, we pray, God, that your word will find fertile soil. We pray, God, that whatever you place upon us today, the seeds that are sown, that they will grow, they will flourish, that we will clear out the weeds, the rocks, the thorns that may get in the way. And that we will create healthy spaces for your word to flourish within us, out of us, all for your glory. Help us today to grasp this life that you have called us to live. Because it is the greatest life we could ever live. We thank you for Jesus, who's made all this possible, and through whom we have life. Guide us, teach us, nourish us today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So before we dig into this, it's really important that we first of all try to figure out one question, and that is, what is life? So he says here, in him was life, but what is life? I love what, this, what uh, the Bible teaches in James 4, verse 14. It says, your life is a mist. A mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So you know what a mist is? That's a mist. You can't even see it, can you? At the back. That's your life. That's all it is. How long did it last for? A second. And it's gone. When you get to my age, you realize your life was a second. It goes by so fast. goes by so quick. And God says, that's all your life is. It is just a mist. Another way to look at our life is like this. The little line, or two dates, and the little line that goes in between. That's our life. And if that's all our life is... We fill our whole lives trying to cram in and focus in on that little dash in the middle. That's the most important part of our lives. And what do we fill that dash with? You probably can't even see what's on there, 
Because that's the point that I'm trying to make. Is that we fill our lives with things that at the very end of our life are not even going to matter. They're not even going to count. They will have no bearing on our next life. On that list there, by the way, it says money, education, career, happiness, experiences, relationships, pleasure. Not one of those things has any bearing on the life once that final date ends. None of it. There's only one thing that counts, and that is this. That's the only thing that is really going to have any bearing on what happens next when our final date ends. Now, this doesn't mean that those other things are not important in our lives. God wants us to live life to the full. He wants us to enjoy our lives, make the most of everything. In fact, Jesus is there because he makes life taste better. Those things are so key to us, but they are not the answer to life in him. So let's take a look at what this may possibly mean. What does life in Christ truly look like? It's not necessarily the American dream either. I don't think Jesus died for the American dream. He died for something so much more fulfilling. That life in him was life, is a fulfilled life. It is a spiritual life, a forgiven life, eternal life. It is a life that saves, a life that gives, a life that loves. It is a life that has meaning, a life that has purpose, a life that has promise. It is a life filled with hope, filled with comfort, filled with peace, because it is a life filled with God. And you see, outside of Christ, yes, we do have life, but we don't have that life. So how do we live that life? Very simply, we live as a disciple of the one who gives that life. We live as a student of the ultimate life giver, and that is Jesus himself. Learning from him, being an apprentice of his. Learning how he would live our lives if he was living his life through us. That's how we achieve that. You know, I've told you that you will hear lots of quotes from Dallas Willard over this series and this was an article that I found that is entitled How Does the Disciple Live? This is a Dallas Willard article. It was so good that I almost was tempted just to read out the whole article as the sermon today but I'm not, I'm not but so much of or some of what I've shared today will be in this article and this is what Dallas Willard says. He says how the disciple lives naturally comes out of who the disciple is. How the disciple lives naturally comes out of who we are deep inside. Sometimes I think the problem is we focus on the wrong metrics for how we're doing as a Christian. Well, do, they, do you come to church? Yep. Ah, oh, doing well spiritually. Are they part of a small group? Yep, they're making it to heaven. Do they serve in church? Well, kind of. 
some work to be done there. No major sins in people's lives. We use these things and all those things are good things and Jesus calls us to those and the Bible teaches those. But they sometimes become those external factors. We use them as measurements to see how, how we're really doing deep inside. Whereas it should be the other way around. Those things should be some of the fruits of what God is doing by transforming us deep within. You see, there's a surrender when we are truly living our life as a disciple. There's a surrender that Jesus is looking for. You see, if we were truly giving our all to him, if we were truly being giving our very best of who we are to him, if we were allowing him to truly live his life through us, would you be a different person than you are already today? Not in your personality, but in our characters. What would your parenting look like if Jesus truly took hold of your character? If he was through you in every aspect of your life? Would your marriage be different? Would your conversations sound different? What apps would be deleted from your phone? What would your social media posts look like? What music would you stop listening to? What would your search history look like? How would your driving be? Let's get real. How would you spend your time? How would you spend your money? How would you treat others? What would others say of you? Recently, we've had uh, our campus minister, Ryan. She's lived with us for the past year. We've been friends for uh, 10 years or more. Um, and so she's been living with us for the past year. And it's been like having the Holy Spirit living in our house with us. It's amazing. The difference is, not that she is the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't blaspheme in that way, but just simply having someone else in our home that is not part of our family, even though she is part of our family, means that you think before you say something. You, it's almost as if Jesus is right there, and you're like, oh, I've got to be on my best behavior. But it's amazing. The kids kind of put the brakes on a little bit. We are all courteous and patient with each other. Just simply having one more person living in our house. That's what it should be like. Every interaction, every conversation, every day of our lives. Why? Because Jesus is in us, through us around us constantly. That's the type of life that he wants to live if we would only surrender to that depth of relationship with him. You see, that's who and what that means for life in him. As I said, it's an amazing article. If you'd like to scan the QR code, you can read it and perhaps read it for your quiet time this week. In the article, he talks about three steps that are needed to be able to truly live that disciple life in Christ. 
I'm going to talk about one of them today because it was too much detail to do all three. But initially he says, you of course first have to be a disciple. To live this disciple life cannot be that you only just come to church. You've maybe only grown up a Christian but never truly given your life to Christ through the biblical definition of what it means to be a disciple. That's the first step. So please, if you're visiting with us and you're not sure if you really are a disciple, maybe you've never really been sat down and taught the Bible properly, we would love to help you with that. But step two, he says, once you become a disciple, we must of course continue to learn how to live as a disciple lives. Embracing God's kingdom in every aspect of our lives. Orienting our entire existence through the lens of Jesus, so that his characteristics take over every corner of our lives. That's what it means to be a disciple. And so our, our verse today, I know it says life in him, but I wanted to reference this one as well. And the first point here is that in order for us this to happen, we have to actively accept Jesus. So this is what John goes on to say in verse 12. He says, to all who did receive him, He gave them the right to be children of God. So the first thing that we do in order to live as a disciple of Jesus, to live as Jesus wants us to live, is that we have to actually do what Jesus says. Isn't that what it comes down to? What I love about this is it says, to those who received him. This word here in Greek is quite an interesting one. You know when you receive something, it's a very active verb. And in the Greek it says it means to actively lay hold of his teachings. To actively receive what he's do, what he's teaching us and then putting it into practice. It's different from just believing in him. You can believe in Jesus and not do what he says. This is what Dallas Willard says about this. He says, it is quite literally nonsense to call Jesus Lord and do not do what he said. It's nonsense to do that. But how often do you and I do that? We hear a sermon, we read our Bibles, we read something and then we do the very opposite of what we've just been told to do. Thankfully God is gracious with us, but that cannot be the pattern of our lives. Learning to actively accept what he's saying That has to be the way that we live. Jesus even said himself, why do you call me Lord? And do not do what I say. That's convicting. That's convicting. So through truly accepting Jesus, by letting him into every aspect of our lives, that's when we begin to see the transformation that he deserves and that he desires for us. This type of adjustment, though, is not automatic. We do have, he gives us the Holy Spirit, but we do have our part to play as a disciple. Paul tells Timothy, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself. It's not easy. But by putting in the the spiritual disciplines, we can become more godly. We can become more Christ-like. The Bible tells us that we have to use the Bible to train ourselves in righteousness. What does righteousness mean? It just simply means living a life that is pleasing to God, a life that is in Him. 
And by doing that, we learn to say no to ourselves and yes to him. So that even in our deep, inmost parts of our being, Christ is king. Christ is Lord. And at that moment, we no longer then are governed by those impulses of perhaps greed or selfishness or lust or anger or jealousy because they've been driven out by the very character of Christ because we've made room for him. If you were to pick one area of your life where Christ is not yet Lord, what would it be? Can you all identify just one thing, just one area where he is not yet fully Lord? You know, for me, I've always kind of seen myself as a calm, peaceful person. Whenever you do those, you know, personality tests, I'm always kind of peace country and things like that. And I like a peaceful house. But as I shared a few months ago, God has really been teaching me that I'm not always at peace internally. That actually, I carry a lot of anxiety. And I try to overcome the anxiety by just being calm and peaceful. But the problem is, those anxieties don't always disappear. And they find their ways out, sometimes in unhealthy and harmful ways. Recently I've been thinking about this, and I've been losing sleep, and not sleeping very well. And, and I was like, what is going on? And I realized that Jesus is not Lord over my anxieties. That this is one area where I almost feel like, have you got this God? No, he hasn't. I need to keep hold of it. And I pray about things and I wrestle with things. But look at what the Bible says in John 1.16. He says, we have received grace after grace from his fullness. So if we've received every blessing, every grace from the fullness of God, why is it that I'm still feeling anxious? God wants me to cast my anxieties onto him because he cares But what I realized is that I was casting them, thinking that I was letting them go, but I was still holding on to them. And I couldn't figure out why. So what did I do? Well, I did a vim. So Metro, please bear with us, but we've been teaching this exercise called vim, which means vision, intention, and means where you grab a scripture, you analyze it, and you see what is God's vision for my life in this scripture, what is the value and the intention that is needed within, in order to achieve God's vision? And then what are the means? How do we go about achieving that vision? So this week I was feeling really troubled, feeling a bit anxious about stuff. And so I decided to do a vim on Philippians 4 verse 6. This is what it says. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So why, so my, so the vision here, of course, is that God wants me and us to have a peace in every situation so that our, my mind and my heart will be protected. The intention is that God wants me to be secure in him and not to be anxious about anything. And the means is by prayer and petition. So 
What I realized was is that I would be praying about these things, casting them off to God in prayer, petitioning him daily for things that were going on, but there was one thing I was missing. I was not giving thanks for the challenges. And so because I wasn't giving thanks for them, I was holding on to the anxiety. Does that make sense? It was deep. And it just came to me recently. That because I wasn't able to give thanks for what I was facing, I was holding on to discontentment. I was holding on to faithlessness. Therefore, I was holding on to the anxiety. And I'd been praying for months about different things, but I'd missed this one obvious component that clearly says, with thanksgiving. So I've started to pray with thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for this challenging situation. Thank you that, whatever it might be. And this is what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, not just the good things, but even the tough situations that you're going through. When we do that, we surrender everything over to God. That then protects and guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I wasn't doing that. So I started to do it. And suddenly I found myself smiling while I was praying. As I was giving it over to God in prayer, thanking him for the discouragement that I was feeling, I was smiling at the same time. Now, I'm, I'm early days with this. I'm just, this is in real time, okay? But the difference is powerful. The difference is obvious. I slept like a baby last night. It was awesome. But this is how we actively accept the fullness of Christ. We've got to wrestle with, okay, what is going on? What corner of my life is not fully Jesus's? Find a vim of your own. So as I said this before, which area of your, of your life is, is Christ not yet Lord? Find a scripture. Do the vim analysis to try and figure out what is really, truly going on in your life. There'll be something. There'll be something that you've been missing, some vision that you've been holding on to that has not been leading you to Jesus. Dallas Willard said, every single time we all have a vision, it's either God's vision for your life or it's a vision that you have manufactured for yourself or a vision that the world says that you think you should have. It's either one of those two. And if we have the wrong vision, Christ is not Lord of your life in that particular area. So my encouragement, find that vision, look for that intention, and find that means for yourself. So in a moment, we're going to take up communion together. And as we do, I would like you to think carefully about that one area. Talk with each other, pray for each other, and if you're not even aware of maybe a scripture, help each other to find that scripture. As I transition into communion, I'd like to read this verse in 2 Timothy. He saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death 
and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. See, Jesus came so that we would live a holy life. That is a life that is different from the world. That is a life that is set apart for God and for him alone. That's his vision for us. That's his vision for all of us. Thankfully, he's given us amazing grace in order to achieve that. But what's getting in the way? I hope you'll do some soul searching today. I hope that you'll think really deeply and fully actively accept what Jesus is maybe trying to teach you and to show you. What would your life look like if he was fully in control of you? So what I'd like us to do at this moment then, are there any areas of your life where Christ still desires to be Lord? Confess to one another if you need to. Be open, be vulnerable, share. Just be real with each other. And then once you've shared that with each other, just pray for the other person. I will then come back up and pray for the communion in a moment. But please, at the moment, just make the most of this to really give over every area of our lives to the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you, Father, that you've sent Jesus into our lives, you sent Jesus to the earth to save us and to call us to a holy life. Father, not because anything that we have done, but because of your own purpose and because of your grace. We thank you for sending Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We pray, Father, that we will daily make room and space in our lives to embrace him and to allow him and your Holy Spirit to transform us into the likeness of your Son. Sorry, Father. Sorry for the corners of our lives that are still dark. Sorry for the secret places where we've not allowed the light of all mankind to shine. We know, God, that his blood has cleansed us. And we just pray, God, that it will cleanse every area of our lives. God, we surrender our lives to you today, Father. Looking forward to this incredible life in him that you have promised. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your everlasting love. It's in your name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.